how can you grow a company while at the same time making sure that there would be a balance between the growth of the company and respect of the planet. Hello and welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where the world's top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today, our leader is Eric Rondelot, the CEO of lighting and technology company Signify. That company achieved carbon neutrality last fall, and he'll share what changes made that possible and just what happens next. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm your host, Linda Lucina, and this is Meet the Leader. We are at the beginning of a big transformation here, but we have already started to make that happen. Signify has driven lighting technology for 130 years. It was founded as Philips & Company, making carbon filament lamps in the Netherlands in 1891, and today has become a leader in how LED and connected lighting can improve lives and even help the planet. Its technologies and solutions have made lighting in homes and airports, arenas, and even the Notre Dame Cathedral more sustainable and energy efficient. The company achieved carbon neutrality last September and learned firsthand how that kind of commitment triggers changes throughout a business, from design to distribution. He'll walk us through that transformation and what he learned. And as he does, he'll explain the importance of small steps and why being too rational can sometimes hold big changes back. But first, he'll talk about a simple realization that helped change the company. We very early were convinced about the following fact. There must be a balance between what you do in your own company and how you try to contribute with what you sell and to your customers. And this is where you know it came. It came from a clear understanding that our business was contributing and that we need to have a balance between what we do externally, what we do internally, and then the carbon footprint objective became quite obvious to us. Give us an understanding for how a lighting company can make a difference in this space. We realized you know, a long time ago that uh, moving to a new technology in lighting was helping us, uh, probably as a unique industry, to participate to making the planet a better one. Uh, just let me give you a very simple element. If you look at uh, incandescent lighting and you go to LED lighting, you would consume 3% uh, with LED lighting of what you would normally consume with incandescent lighting. So there's a clear story and an obvious one here. Now, if you add connectivity, you can do even more. So we realized that our business was moving in a space where we could really contribute. So Signify made a change to a range of areas, including waste and its approach to packaging. Can you talk a little bit about that shift? When we decided um, that we would have no plastic anymore in our uh, packaging, especially for the consumer, I tell you, the first time we said that internally, nobody wanted to do this. People were claiming that the cost would go up, that the consumer would not like the packaging. Look, we've done it. It's effective now uh, for um, a few quarters. And it, it does work. Not only consumers like it. Uh, I think it's great uh, for the planet. What you don't do today, you would have to do tomorrow, probably at a higher cost. And that's something that people don't always understand it's good for the planet it's great for the company but it's also good for the cost overall something else that we're looking at at this point in time is where do we manufacture is it the right approach to manufacture something which is costing a few cents in asia then put that on uh, a ship and have this to reach 
the, the cost of uh, the Americas, of Europe, with a, a huge cost in terms of carbon footprint. So the way we have to understand and the traveling of our goods and, and, and travel in general is something that is changing in the company. And I think radically changing. Uh, we are at the beginning of a big transformation here, but we have already started to make that happen. You mentioned cost and the fact that people often aren't factoring in the total cost of something over time, or even the costs that might not show up on balance sheets. Why is that so difficult? I think people fundamentally dislike change. And, and when it comes to things that are, I would say, business sensitive, uh, it's even worse because uh, changing you know, something which is apparently working uh, for a purpose which is not always seen as a direct enabler of what we are trying to do on, the, on that specific activity, it's not obvious. You know, I mean, is changing the packaging something fundamentally important when the packaging that we had was great? No, so there's no urgency to do it. Uh, is cleaning our site something that is going to improve one way or another the profitability of our, of our plants, you know, the, their capacity to be productive? Well, people can see that as not a direct contributor. I see it as a very direct contributor to quality. But once again, many would see that in a very indirect way. So at the end of the day, when there's no sense of urgency, we need to be guided by the purpose. And we should not be guided by rational. If you get it by rational, you don't do it. So if you, if I go back to that example, which is an interesting one about the packaging, we just said, look, we're going to, we're just going to do it. Uh, we don't look at the financial metrics. Uh, we don't look at all the files that could be brought forward explaining to us that we should not do it. We're just going to do it, whatever happens. And then whenever people understand that there's, there's, there's no other option but that is going to happen, then, then the organization starts to work on it. So a leap of faith when you're sure that you are totally acting in line with your purpose, I think is a, is a key thing to make happen. I want to talk a little bit about designing for sustainability and creating a new product or a service that is intended to reduce waste and preserve resources. Signify had a solution for commercial clients, a service contract that was designed so uh, lighting could be upgraded and reused, materials and parts could be returned for repurposing and recycling, and all of that letters up to the circular economy, something folks may or may not be familiar with, but that is an approach that rethinks consumption, uh, eliminating waste across entire systems. Can you talk a little bit about the design of this circular lighting solution? So let's take the example of Schiphol. Uh, here in uh, in Amsterdam, because that's something that we've done a few years ago. So basically, the the, um, the CEO of Schiphol wanted to make that airport the most sustainable in the world. So he, he asked us to come with uh, new ideas, and we put in place a fully um, a fully circular approach. So first of all, the the fixtures were designed to be given a second and a third life. So the way they are designed, they are designed to be reused. And there are very, some very specific elements in the design that allow this. Schiphol had a contract with us. And after a number of years, they can decide whether they continue with the same fixture or they want other ones. So we will not change everything because one part is totally recyclable. And on the part that we take, we can give it a second life. And so that contract has been negotiated, I think, a few years ago, probably four, five years ago. And... Uh, it was extremely interesting, extremely interesting because when you look at the components and the materials that we use, 
we will probably extend the lifetime of factor two or factor three in some cases. Meaning that if you reuse them, you don't need uh, to produce new ones and you have no waste. And if you can on some components, you know, multiply the lifetime by a factor three, I mean, this is a fantastic result that you get in terms of, uh, of circularity. Thinking sustainably means changing parts of your business that maybe don't ladder up directly to things like carbon neutrality. Can you talk a little bit about that? So when we talk about sustainability, it's the broad term. It's also about health and safety. You know, limiting the number of accidents is a fundament to us, to the sustainability objective for the company. So we're not limiting it to energy efficiency. Sustainability, it's about also having a sustainable population in terms of how it is uh, actually built. So we're talking about, and there are two elements we're focusing on at this point in time. One is age and the other one is gender. And by the way, if you look at our new sustainability plan, uh, we have also a commitment to double the number of women uh, in leadership position from 17% today to 34% in five years from now. Um, but, you know, sustainability, it's also about finding common points that can, can work across organizations. It's like uh, a common language. Even if people don't need to use specifically the same words, they mean the same thing. And, and when you, you put sustainability at the center of the purpose of the company, this is what you do. You create a language which people coming from different uh, entities, different geographies, different functions, and they're going to find you know, common agreements, common language. It's going to help them to make key and fundamental decisions. That's what we hope. We're not there yet, but we're moving there. That some of the key decisions that they have to make on, on their daily job is also going to be inspired and dictated by making the company more sustainable or even more sustainable. When people talk about sustainability, they often talk about revamping entire value chains, which is a phrase that isn't very meaningful to most people. But you have explained that this really means making sure that at every moment of delivery, you're making the right assessment of resources for the planet. How has applying that approach changed how you solve problems? We are in a space and time today where if we are really thinking sustainability at every level in the company, there's a lot of things that we can do uh, to either tweak, either improve, or completely redesign our processes to make them better, to make them more efficient, to make them leaner, while at the same time making sure that those processes have a positive impact on sustainability. So it's probably also a unique period because the technologies have evolved so much and there's so many things that you can do differently from what you used to do previously I think I would not say that sky is the limit, but there's so much that can be done. So, you know, so this is why when you look at our, uh, since we carbon neutral from uh, September to 20, what is the new objective in our new plan? Well, it's to, from an already a good position, we look at what the objective in the, in the Paris agreements are, you know, to achieve in, in 2031. So we are now bringing those objectives to our organization. We say in we're not going to achieve them in 2031, but we need to be done in 2025. So basically, when you look at the period from now to 2031, we're going to do that in half of the time. And I think what we have been achieving now, the understanding that we have of new technologies, you know, helps us to be very uh, confident or at least extremely ambitious 
on what we have to achieve next. So, you know, end-to-end is, it's an interesting concept, but the concept of end-to-end for me is one thing. What is very important is that we're not just here to improve what's existing, but we're here to redesign what's existing uh, to achieve new objectives in terms of sustainability and also linked to the performance improvement of the company. In the course of this work, was there a habit that you depended on, something that you would not have been able to work without? I think you need to have uh, a group of people who are not even convinced, you know, but, but fundamentally into it. You need to make sure that you have a core group who lives and breathes this. Because it's not an easy journey. And, and, and they will not see the barriers and they will go ahead and we will together, you know, reinforce our belief. The second thing is it was not a big step. It was small steps, one after the other one, but systematically moving in, in the same direction. Adapting along the way, it's not quick and dirty. It's going to be step by step. It's going to take time. But at the end of the day, we want to see an improvement you know, every day, and a small improvement every day is sufficient. Because when you have ahead of you five to seven years, there's a lot of things that you can do in five to seven years. But if you try to do everything in the space of two years, you'll miss everything because you do a little bit of everything. And uh, you may lie to yourself on what you're actually achieving. But when you give to yourself, you know, such a, a long time, because I think that five to seven years is a long time, then you can really go into that mode of, we improve. You know, I would tell you that uh, if you speak to the people in, in the corridors of Signify today about sustainability today and, and you do the same type of interview back eight years ago, you would, you would get completely different answers and a different view. So if you want really the company to move to, a, to another uh, understanding of, of, of what sustainability is, it does take time. You mentioned the importance of urgency in action. And sometimes with big goals, there's a tendency for people to talk more than they act. What are your thoughts on that? So, so it's, it's really painful, Linda. I don't know how to say it differently. It's really painful to see that there's so much more which is being said compared to what is being acted upon. And we haven't found a way except, you know, being the evangelist sometimes, you know, giving our opinion whenever we can, uh, you know, trying to, to change things. Well, you are part of the WEF, so you may know that uh, it took me um, uh, three years, uh, two meetings with uh, the mayor of uh, Davos, myself, uh, and a lot of talk with your colleagues just to make sure that in the convention center we would have efficient lighting. At the end of the day, we paid ourselves because we realized that you were, if we, on top of it, we were asking people to pay for something which has a return on the investment of just a few months. Nothing would happen. And I'm talking about an environment where people are supposed to be convinced about those things. So, you know, there is a, a kind of a disconnection from what the intellectual debate is all about. And I think we've improved a lot on the intellectual debate, meaning that at this point in time, there's less debate. So I think we've moved very, very slowly in, in an acceptance of the fact, but we're still very slow 
on the actual uh, implementation execution of what could change it. You know, we fought for so many years saying to the people, hey, the objective in terms of improvement of energy efficiency should not be 1.3%. Move that to 3%. And then let's go into a renovation of buildings, for instance, and let's make them energy efficient from a material standpoint, from a lighting standpoint. We're not only talking about lighting here. We're talking about many different things. But the time it takes to get the people to move on those things is still flabbergasting to me. Now, there is another element. What we realize is when you have a mayor who's versed into these things, it goes so much faster. So it, it depends also on, on the knowledge of the, of the decision makers. Uh, knowledge m- means not you know, how they can appear in public and make you know, public speeches for other purposes, but what they fundamentally believe in. So at the end of the day, it's, look, Linda, huge frustration on our side um, because we believe that so much more can be done for the planet on many different fronts than we, what we're actually doing now and technology is available. Technology has been available for 10 years. If you could go back to the beginning uh, before Signify was starting on any of these efforts to achieve carbon neutrality, what advice would you give yourself? Stay the course, whatever happens. Start very early. You know, a lot of people tell me, oh, you've been very quick. I said, no, we haven't been quick. We've just started early. And the next thing I would say, always balance operations and revenues, which is inside and outside. You, you, if you want this to work, you need to have an attitude towards the external world and your internal world, which are completely consistent uh, with what you want to do in terms of sustainability. It's very complicated to say we want to be a sustainable company and the way you sell what you sell is brutally not sustainable. The contrary is also true. I mean, you can sell to the world that you make the world more sustainable and inside your company, you do exactly the contrary. So I think those are the three elements that I I would say to myself. Why are these issues a priority for you personally? I, I'm, I'm very oriented towards the present. I think, you know, whatever you delegate to the future can give you an excuse not to be active today. I think I realized that we had in our hands the possibility to make the planet a better one. And then there was a very interesting equation that um, fascinated me is how can you grow a company and, and how you can effectively develop something while at the same time respecting uh, the planet and making sure that there would be a balance between the growth of the company and respect of the planet. And, and that equation, if you look at it, and if you use methods of the past, there's no way to solve that equation. So how do we modify our approach? How do we are changing what we do in order to make this equation possible. And that that was very intriguing to me. And at the end of the day, extremely exciting because there's a way to solve that equation. We have started to prove it. We're not perfect. We need to work on a daily basis to get better. But there's a way uh, to make that happen. So sustainability in general uh, is something that as human beings, uh, if you want to make sure that you don't degrade your standard of living, that you can deploy your full potential on many different domains. And every time you create uh, an imbalance of any type of nature, 
that can um, put at risk um, that objective, then we're going in the wrong direction. And we're going in the wrong direction today. Of course, for the future, but you know, the future is only built on what you're capable to manage and do today. So when you talk about sustainability in general, you avoid the little intricacies you know, of daily life and you talk about the real problem, the real issues. And if you can contribute um, you know, at your humble level to, um, to make things slightly better, well, I think this is something that, um, that I was at least personally uh, quite intrigued at the beginning and then very excited about moving on. You said something interesting earlier. You said that this isn't rational. People will tell you, no, it can't be done. It's too expensive. How important is it in all of this, the role of imagination, the role of just being able to imagine and believe that you can realize this big change? Yeah, that's a good question. So if you start with the belief that it's possible, if that belief is supported by the fact that there's something behind it that you fundamentally believe in, then you have more chances to achieve it. So believing in it, um, trying to put yourself in the mode of how are we going to make this happen rather than why this is not going to happen makes a radical change. Radical change in, in, uh, in the attitude, in the mindset, and in the achievement of the objective as such. Th th there are very, very few things that we actually cannot do. That was Eric Rondelot. Before we go, don't forget to check out our other great World Economic Forum podcasts, including World vs. Virus, focusing on how the pandemic is reshaping our world, and Radio Davos, where top experts help you better understand both your present and your future. Learn about them all on wef.ch slash podcasts. And remember, you can catch all of our World Economic Forum podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and other top platforms. My thanks go out to Gareth Nolan and Robin Pomeroy for all of their help with the production of this episode. And thanks, of course, go to this week's guest, Eric Rondelot. And thanks to you for listening. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to rate and review our podcasts and follow us online on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and on Twitter using the handle WEF. That's it for me. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.